Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, and we come finally to the last word of this prayer. And it's a word that just about every Christian uses uh, in all of their prayers and in some companies of believers, they use it a lot more than in their prayers. It is that word, Amen. And so we have followed this prayer through in all its requests, and now we come to what I understand to be the grand finale, Amen. I, as I say, this word is used by just about all Christians, whether they use this prayer or whether they say their own prayer, or at other times when they're not praying, you will hear this word used, amen, amen. And uh, most people that I've talked to when I say, what, what do you mean by amen? What it amounts to in their mind is a sort of a cryptic, uh, mystical way of telling God I'm finished. Uh, one person said to me, it's, it's a sort of religious way of saying, Roger, over and out. Um, I'm done. I'm finished. This is it. Um, no. Uh, what other people mean by it, I'm not really sure. They use it very glibly and um, without much thought. I have in the past preached in some churches where... I couldn't say a full sentence without a lot of people saying, Amen, Amen, preach it, brother. And I had to stop. And I, I told the people, please do not say Amen until you've heard everything I've said. Because that, that's a solemn, it's the most potent word in, in the new covenant. Um, we should fully understand what we mean before we bandy about Amen, Amen. No, what does it mean? It stands here at the end of prayer. Um, and, and when we go back into the ancient times, um, ancient time, I'm talking about uh, even beyond the New Testament, going back into the Old Testament, um, we, we discover this word, amen, is an untranslated Hebrew word. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that was used by the people of God in the Old Testament with enormous implications, the most solemn implications, the most binding upon oneself implications. It, it is of supreme importance that we understand what we mean when we finish our prayer and we then declare this word, this Hebrew word, Amen. What does it mean? Well, let me give you its full range of meaning. In actual fact, it boils down to one idea, but let me, let me do it. Okay, the word actually means, um, so it is. But you, you, you say that understanding, it, those words mean what they, it is. Or, that is the way it is. It means I close out, um, because what I have just said is the final and the absolute truth that is the way it is. It would also mean, so be it, which with the same idea. I have said something and now I say amen, it means and so be it. It shall be, it shall become. Uh, 
to emphasize what I'm trying to say, it could also be translated as assuredly, it is so. Um, now, it came also to mean, uh, in the same idea, steadfast. That is, you can be sure of what has been said. It will not move. It will not diminish. It will not become less than it is any more than it will become more than it is. It is so. And you can, another word, rely on this. And so the word came into speech as meaning reliable, steadfast. That, that which stands firm. I suppose um, some of our modern, shall I say, street language would, would uh, maybe help some. You, you, amen in, in modern slang would mean you can bet your life on this. It, it means this is a sure deal. It, it uh, is another expression. Do you use it here? You can take this to the bank. It's, it, it, this check is not going to bounce. What, what, what has been said is final, transparent, absolute, unchangeable truth. And so in the Old Testament, the word that we translate as believe in the Hebrew language often is amen. That, that's interesting. So, do you remember back there in Genesis 15 where it, it speaks of um, Abraham? And Abraham, uh, the, the Lord reveals himself to Abraham, makes him the beginnings of a covenant promise. And it says, and it becomes one of the major texts in Scripture, it says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Well, in the Hebrew language, that word believed is amen. That is, Abraham threw himself upon the absolute reliability, steadfastness, unchangeableness of the person of the Lord. That he said, I, I surrender, I, I, I hand myself over to you, I, I, you are reliable, you're a rock on which I can build my life, you're the sure foundation, you see. He, he said, amen, amen to all that God is, and what you are now promising to me. I say amen to that. I believe it. But somehow, I think you might be noticing the word believe in our language is a little, what shall I say, a little less than what I'm saying. Somehow, amen has the punch to it. It's amen. I, I am staking my life on this. You see, that's, that's believe, of course. That's what believe means. And so the, the idea of trust I lean completely into this one. He, I, I amen him. I, I stand firm into him. I say this is truth. This is the way it is. Nothing can change this. Amen. And, and, and so that's, that's the meaning of the word. Now, interestingly, the word was specifically used not only at the end of prayer, it was used at the end or within the making of a covenant, which, of course, uh, then what I've just said about Abraham fits in there. But it was specifically at the end of a covenant making. Now, those of you that have been with us for a long time, you will have heard me speak so often on this uh, subject of covenant. The entire Bible is the unfolding of God's covenant with humans. And the, then amen becomes a covenant word, as so many of the words in Scripture are. And that, then it begins to be difficult for us Westerners to understand because we do not make covenants anymore. Uh, not, not really. Uh, we, we've substituted the word contract, and the contract is the exact opposite of the word covenant. 
A covenant means I am giving my very self to you. I, I, I give myself to you. I, I hand myself, I bequeath myself to you. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. And the you gives to me. And there is this joining. A covenant is a, a union of persons. And in that union of persons, there is the most solemn uh, swearing oath. I, I give myself in covenant. Two parties give themselves to each other. And, and in that giving, that, that giving is made with shedding of blood. I mean, their own blood. And sometimes it would be a cut in the wrist, at other time a cut in the hand or the tips of the fingers or whatever. Somewhere blood would flow and they would raise their right hand with the blood, their own blood flowing and say, I keep my word to you even if it kills me to do so. And, and so a covenant was uh, understood to be for life or even for death. It was until death do us part. It was the most solemn of all comings together of human beings, a covenant. And then at the end of the covenant, they would mingle their bloods. That's where our English or American handshake comes from. It comes from the days when the palm was filled with their blood and they would mingle the bloods. And in that they would become brothers of blood. They're mingled, they're one, two lives, mingle as one. Um, they would rub their wrists if that's where the cut was. Well, wherever they would bring the bloods together. And it all ended in a solemn meal. Interestingly, a meal of bread and wine. And as they would eat and drink, somewhere in there would be stated the Amen. And upon the meal and upon the Amen would be the ratification of the covenant. It would be the declaration, this covenant is now in effect. And everything we have just said and sworn to now is imprinted into history to be recognized by all persons and parties. It is so. It hung on the Amen. It is so. It would be equivalent um, in our marriage ceremony, which is the closest we get to at least the words and the enactment of a covenant. And you remember at the end of the making of the marriage covenant, uh, at least if you use the ancient um, Christian marriage, um, when, when I marry persons, I, I say at the end of that covenant, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And, and that is the equivalent of amen. It, it means I am declaring before God, before all demon spirits and angelic spirits, and before all humans, I am in effect saying, amen, this is so. God now has become a party to this marriage. And, and, and that's, that's how covenants ended. It, it, it became this solemn, the amen, it is so. We get up, we walk away, and we are not the same persons who sat down at the beginning of this thing. We have now entered into a covenant which shall unfold into the total transforming of our lives together. Covenant. And so you could say amen was the, the divine ratification of a covenant commitment, but even more so, in fact, not even more so, no, transcendentally beyond anything that humans ever did is the story of the Bible. God, I mean, hear this, God enters into covenant with us. Please hear me. Now, that's the underlying wonder of the Scripture. God 
enters into covenant with us. That is, God, Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit gives himself away to us. And when we say God is love, if we've read through the entire scripture and understand its unfolding flow, then we are saying God is covenant love. It isn't that he's just got a thing about you. It is that God has committed himself to you for life and for death. And for him it cost him the death in the death and blood shedding of Jesus, which is the blood, says Hebrews, of the everlasting covenant. To save you, he had to come where we are and to do so voluntarily. The choice of his love for you, the shedding of his blood. And when the Father raised him from the dead, that was the Amen. And the Holy Spirit comes and says that Amen inside of you and witnesses with your spirit. It is so. He is called the inner witness. You have the witness in yourself. The spirit joined with your spirit that you know that you're a child of God. It's the amen. God sets his seal upon you. It's, it's God's amen. It is so. It's done. My, what, what shall my response be? God took the initiative. It was love that came to me when I had no interest in him. God came and he made covenant with us in and through Jesus Christ. He included you into this incredible union by his love, by placing you into Jesus before you even knew the name Jesus. He brought you to himself. And the gospel or the good news is that I announce to you that is so. That is so. I announce to you this, the amen of God. He has said to you and I, your sins I have forgiven. I have broken Satan's authority over you. I come to you with the news. I say, have you heard the news? You're free. And faith is turning to that incredible news, to that great amen of God that says this good news is so. It is so. Well, what shall my response be? My response is to say with God his amen. If God says this is so, if God says that that the revelation of who he, God, is, is in Jesus. And if in Jesus is the revelation now of who I am, that I have been delivered from Satan's authority and I am raised from spirit death and I am exalted to be with Jesus face to face with the Father, if that's what Jesus says of me, if that's what the Father says of me, if that's what the Holy Spirit is working in me, then I say, Amen. So it is. My Amen is the response to His Amen. And I am bound together in this union of covenant. I hope that makes sense. You can see you just don't go bandying around saying Amen all over the place. It's with a solemn Oh, joyful, I'll grant you, but, but with, with understanding that I am bound together with God, the Father, through God the Son, Jesus. And that's now being worked into me effectively by the Holy Spirit. And each one is saying, Amen. This is the way God is. This is what God has accomplished. This is what God is doing. My response is to join the Holy Three and say, Amen. Yes, this is the way it is. It is the way it is. Now you see, prayer, and we've been talking about it for weeks now, but prayer is, in fact, part of that covenant. You can't talk about prayer properly without understanding the covenant that, that 
He's entered into, he's brought me face to face with himself. He has set his love upon me. He has said, I'm with you. And you're with me. And now, as a covenant partner, as a child of the family, ask. And so prayer is our response to the covenant. God, prayer doesn't begin with us. Prayer isn't our idea that we think is a jolly good idea to have a go at this and, and, and see if we can get God's attention. No, bless your heart. Uh, you don't have to get God's attention. He spent your life trying to get your attention. It, it's all his initiative. He started this. And everything in prayer is what he wants to do. And he's calling you into union. And in your asking for that, there's relationship. It's the way God works. And so he has given us promises. How do you look at the promises of God? And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this deliberately out of conversations I've had over the decades with people. Um, how do you look at the promises of God? I mean, all of them, all over the place. Promises. Um, are, are these sort of God's wishes? It would be awfully nice if... Uh, no, you see, all the promises of God are covenant promises. That is behind every promise. There is God saying, I swear by my own self that I will do this. Then when I read a promise, there's no if or buts or maybes. When I read a promise, this is the word of final and absolute truth. And so when we read a promise, there is a sense that we should, at least in our mind, at the end of the promise, say, Amen. That is, I recognize this to be part of a, the covenant. This, this promise drips with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's alive with his resurrection. God stands behind this promise to life or for death. And so I say, Amen. So be it. This is the way it is. I can take this to the bank, you see. I bet my life on it. it. It cannot be otherwise. It cannot be otherwise. This is a covenant promise. And so, at least in my mind, I say, Amen. Amen. I'm joining my amen to the amen of God telling me in the promise, this is the way it is. I say, amen, this is the way it is. And I take that promise in prayer. And, and, and prayer is not just a shot in the dark. I, I think by this time in our going through this prayer, you, you understand that very well. But seeing as we're closing things out tonight, let me, let me say this plainly. Prayer is not just having a shot at it. I, I remember back in the 1970s, there was a big thing about taking uh, commercials and turning them into sort of, uh, what, Jesus things. It was a terrible idea. Um, but lots of things happened back then in an attempt to get the ear of some portion of the audience. And uh, so I remember one um, where, where it, I think it was a Coca-Cola commercial at that time, and it was a Try Coke. And, and so everybody was saying, Try Jesus. Oh, like a knife going through. You don't try Jesus. He, he's, he's not a sort of product that maybe will taste nice to you. Jesus, the Messiah, God from God, entering into our, your humanness, humanity, in order to bring you here and now out of death into God life. Don't try him. 
In fact, the, the word is obey him. And, and so it is with prayer. Prayer is not some formula that you've come across. But let's try prayer. See if it works. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that many times. See if it works. Or, or if, I, if I pray and nothing seems immediately to happen, people say, see, it didn't work. You see, it didn't work. As if we're just trying this thing. Look, we're talking covenant. God has sworn by himself. That in itself is incredible because to swear by oneself means that if I don't keep my word, then I cease to be. Um, God puts his own life on the line. He says, I keep my word. And if I don't keep my word, God will cease to be. Can't get any stronger than that. And, and then I say again that God entered our humanity, became flesh, became human in Jesus, and became human so that on the human side he could take our blood and that blood be shed, which is both human blood and the blood of God. I mean, can, can you... It, it isn't that God just said, I'll do this. He did, and really that would be enough, wouldn't it? From the God who cannot lie, that would be enough. But he says in Hebrews 6, in order to give us a sure hope that he added to his word covenant, in which he said, I'll seal this with blood. And you can know this is the way it is, as nothing else in all creation is. God binds himself with an oath. And prayer is my being caught up into that. Prayer is my asking then of that which God has committed himself to do. He, he's invited me to be the one to bring everything he's committed himself to do into this situation, into this event, into this part of the world, into this geography to this family, to this person. There's no doubts about this. When we start out to pray, it's with absolute final assurance that we are speaking with God who has sworn with an oath that he will do. And when we say amen, it means that we are bound up with the God who said amen. This is the way it is. And we are now laying hold of that and saying, I join with God, and I declare this is the way it is. It is. And so, amen becomes the ultimate faith. It's the ultimate expectancy. I'm expecting of the final reliability of a God who's entered into covenant. Paul makes an interesting statement about this. And it's one of those statements that's in the middle of something really sort of about something else. But he just throws this in. It becomes an enormous statement. It's in Second Corinthians in chapter 1 and verse 20. And he says, For all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are yes. And in him, in Jesus, amen to the glory of God through us. Let me just pull that apart for a bit. All the promises of God, the Greek words there that Paul wrote, are, it's that, that's a good enough translation, but they, it actually is more like as many as may be. All, say it slowly, all the promises of God, as many as they may be, all the promises of God, all that covers every movement of life on good days and bad days and challenges and opportunities and hunger and thirst after God and need of provision and need of protection, whatever. All the promises of God and all situations, every promise you'll read in this book from Genesis to Revelation, all the promises of God 
in Jesus. That is, it's as if Jesus took all of the promises of God and said he is the guarantee for every one of them. Every promise that could, until now, be seen as floating, sort of disconnected, just a promise. No, says Paul, they've all come now into focus. Everyone now comes to pass because Jesus is the personal guarantor. Every promise is colored with his blood. Every promise is now effective through his resurrection. Every promise, he said, in him is yes. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that's, that's a simple word. But yes, when someone says yes, especially when that someone is God, yes, Yes. Well, well, it means there's no hesitancy. You know, there's no, you know, that look on a person's face when they're, they're going to say yes, but they say very slowly with that look on their face. You know, there's a, uh, I'm not sure. Yes, it's, no, there's an if there. I know I'm waiting for it. There's, there's possibility of it not really happening or there's conditions. and But, a plain yes. That means long, I've made up my mind on this. This is where I stand on this. It's yes. Yes. It means end of discussion. It means you've understood me correctly and I say yes. That is, there's, there's no footnotes. There's no fine print at the end which actually negates everything I've just said. No. It's yes. All the promises of God are yes. I know, for some religious people that is terrifying. It suddenly means I can't take this book and put it back 2,000 years ago and say, well, God doesn't do that anymore, you see. I know, you'll go to seminary. You, you, they'll give you degrees in theology after they've stripped your heart of any faith you had by telling you this book is, is not, it's not a book of God's promises. It's, it's something to be dissected, ripped apart and, and turned into uh, something that, that isn't relevant to today. Now this, my friend, is relevant. He says yes. There's no maybe. Hear me, I'm not ranting here. This, I am speaking to you as what this verse means. There is no maybe. There's no perhaps. Yes, without any hesitancy. In Jesus Christ, God the Father looks you straight in the eye and says, I mean every word I say, and it's in your human language and means what it says. You don't have to think I speak in God gobbledygook so, so that it says this and means something else. No, it means yes. Plain forever yes. And in him, that is trusting Jesus to have told me the truth. Jesus is called the Word of God. He is the one who tells us what God is really like and tells us that within our human existence and human language. He tells us what God is like. Or as John 1.18 says, he exegetes God. He, he exposes him. He he fillets, he shows this is what God is really like. He says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And so he is called the truth. He's the truth. He's the truth. He tells us this is what the Father is really like. And that's the truth. He's called the faithful witness. Jesus has given us a faithful, absolutely true witness as to what the heart of God is like and like forever. Huh. Jesus is called the faithful and true witness. 
It's amazing, you see, because we know what the Father is really like. We know what we can expect of him. We know that he means his promises. We, who told you? Jesus did. He's the truth. He told us the truth about the Father, but also he told us the truth about us. You might not have thought about that, but he told you and I that we are precious to the Father. He told us that he was sent by the Father to find us and bring us back to the Father. He told us that, that we would be in him and he would be in us and he in us and us in him would be in the Father in a union that couldn't be closer, stronger. And he told us that every blessing and every promise that the Father had ever made would now be made available to us. He told us that. He gave us our identity. He's the faithful and true witness. He tells the absolute truth. See, this is what it means to believe upon Jesus. Uh, I, I, I doesn't just mean that you walk to the front of the church and somebody says, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he rose from the dead and standing uh, uh, like a deer caught in the headlights? You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is heavy stuff. Do you, do you believe what I've just said? That Jesus is the final, absolute, and only truth concerning who God is and what God thinks about you and what God has done for you in Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is the faithful and true witness, the truth? Do you believe that Jesus is the Amen? Because Revelation chapter 3 says he is. He's the Amen. I say, what's the Father like? And Jesus tells me and says, Amen. That is the way it is. And then I say, and who am I? I don't know who I am. And he tells me who I am in relation to him and to the Father. And that is the way it is. It depends on your translation. If you've got the old King James, Jesus... Before he said something uh, of vast import, he would say, quoting the old King James Version, Verily, verily, I say unto you. More modern versions would say, Truly, truly. Do you know what Jesus was really saying? Amen, amen. He was saying this is so, it is so. It's a final truth. And so... We now say, Amen. What else can we say? God has spoken. He's spoken in Jesus. God from God, the faithful witness, the God who comes from God to tell us what God is like and tells us this is the final truth. I say, Amen. Amen. It's... <clears throat> Those of you that go to a liturgical church or, or one that believes something's really happening in the Holy Communion, and if, if that's the case, you will know. And if you come to some of our retreats, you will have been in one of our services of Holy Communion. And as I hand you the bread and as the deacon hands you the cup of wine, do you remember what we say? I hold it before you, I say, this is the body of Christ. And the deacon says, this is the blood of Christ. Now, we don't hold persons to it, but those who are regular and understand what is happening, I say, this is the body of Christ. They say, the one receiving the bread, the one receiving the wine, says, Amen. Because, you see, we are celebrating in the Holy Communion a covenant meal. And when I declare to you, this is the body of Christ, this is the blood of Christ, this is the blood shed for you, this is the body in which he took you into himself. And in this cup, there are the blessings of the new covenant. And faith says, 
Amen. I take that for myself. It is so. By God's own word, it is so. And I take it. I imbibe it. I chew this as my food. I become one with that. Heavy stuff. And so when I come to prayer, the amen is anticipated from the very beginning. God started this. He started it in love, covenant love. And now he has given me what he wants me to ask for. He's given to me what he determined should be done upon earth among humans. And and he's called me to become part of his doing that. So there's no doubt when I begin to pray, what I'm praying is so. This is the way things are. This is it. And so from the very beginning, I'm anticipating at the end of the prayer, I'm going to say, Amen. This is the way it is, you see. This is the way it is. So I pray my requests, but I pray them in anticipatory hope. I know he hears me. And I'm moving toward the Amen, that final triumphant, yes, it is so. I can rely upon this. This has not been an exercise in futility. I've not just been talking into the air. Amen, this is so. We have reports that come from the first centuries of the church. And one of them is written by a fellow called Jerome. And he describes a service of the early church. And he says that their saying amen was like the sound of a great waterfall. You could say it was like the sound of Niagara Falls. Or he said it was like the sound of rolling thunder in the sky. As the people responded understanding what they were saying, laying hold of God's covenant self and his covenant promise, hearing behind it in Jesus, amen, this is so. And we lay hold and with a thunderous roar, the congregation said, amen. I I don't know if this helps you at all about anything, but this is the word we're talking about here. It's, it's the knowledge that having prayed this prayer, we'd been heard. For the very requests were inspired by the Father through Jesus who taught us and is now within us by the Holy Spirit. And so he heard us. And if he heard us, he, the, the action of bringing this to pass has already begun. It's already being released into life. So, look at the prayer, just very quickly. I mean, we've spent weeks on it. Now, just a very quick pray-say. Look, we, we began, Our Father. <laughs> See, I, now let me stop. How, how do you know that? How, how do you know his Father? You didn't get that from the Old Testament. Our Father, you got that from Jesus. Jesus is telling us God is not judge. God is not some authoritarian dictator. He's Father. Of course, we've talked about it. Abba, Daddy. He begins the prayer by revealing to us, just by telling us this is how you pray. Say this. He's telling us that we now are part of a love, an unbounded, unconditional, mighty, empowered love relationship. Father. And it was the faithful and true witness who told us that. Do you believe that? That he's your father, your daddy. Jesus said he is. So when you say this, our Father, somewhere down in your spirit, you should be 
chuckling, shall I say? The holy laughter of, amen, you bet, amen, I can take that to the bank. He's my father. Because it's sworn covenant statement. And it means that if he's father, I'm child. And that we are. I'm discovering my own identity in the face of the father. If he's father, then I'm child. I'll say amen to that. Hallowed be your name. The name that describes every facet of your love. Yeah. I'll say amen to his name. All that he is. All that you are. Your kingdom come. It's not a pipe dream. That's not a whistling in the dark. If he says that this is what the Father wants us to pray, that's his faithful witness to that. That's God in Jesus saying, yes, no doubt about that. You can pray that for your neighborhood. You pray that for whatever situation you're in, you see. So he's the final authority. He's the ultimate love Lord. I say amen to that. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oi, can, can you hear me? That's what he wants. That's what he's doing. And he's invited us to join him in asking concerning our little world that that be so. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that as we ask that all other wills that are contrary to his will are broken, dissolved away, brought to nothing. Say amen to that. Give us this day our daily bread. He's the provider of the children. Say amen to that, which means you rise above recession. You rise above whatever's happening out there in the economy. Give us this day our daily bread means that he is his own economy and he's looking after his children. I say amen to that. He's the forgiver of all our trespass and, and we in turn forgive those who trespass against us. He's the one who pours his love, his forgiving love into us and gives us the grace that we love one another as he loved us. Amen. That's final truth. That's life. I mean real life. Not the death of apathy and hatred. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. He's the delivering Savior. He rose triumphant over every assumed wannabe power. He's the only power. He's the delivering Savior. And his is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory. He's the source of all. He's the meaning of all. He's the goal of all. Amen. You see what I mean? It's amen to him. Yes. And if that's all true of me, and if I'm involved in all of that, then I've discovered my identity. I'm a child of God. I'm favored. I am blessed. I am graced. I am beloved. I'm accepted. Huh. Amen. There's, there's no, no, I say again, this is... Huh. This is confidence and expectancy in everything that I ask. And when you, I, I don't know, but I, I have felt in the, this last while to emphasize this. When you say amen, you, you, you are saying amen concerning this ultimate what can I say? This ultimate, this objective, real person. Did you hear me there? This, this ultimate, this objective, real person 
I'm talking to him. I'm bound up in him. I am one with him. But I speak to him face to face, eye to eye, mouth to ear, cheek to cheek. He's objective. He's real. Why, why do I say that there are programs on TV? I've never seen so many. It's, it's, it's like an invasion of them. Programs and to the unsuspecting, to those who have just sort of skirted this good news, they sound so right. And so I've, I've taken it my business to listen to them so that I can help persons who get sucked into their deceit. They, they will talk about God and they'll talk about God being love. But it slides over to saying everything is God and everything is love. And then when they talk about this God who is love, they call him an it, a force. They talk to the universe. And they talk about the universe ordering their life. Now, quite apart from it being nonsensical, you realize that that's a very ancient pagan religion in which everything is God. It's called pantheism. Everything is God. See, we say God is in and under everything, but he's not everything. God is the life of the tree, but he's not the tree. God is God. God is personal. He's not the atmosphere. He's not the universe. He's the personal God. And now I have to get very specific that God cannot just be, if you're going to talk deep about it, you can't just talk about God being love. Sort of the ultimate niceness. That sort of floating atmospheric goodness. No. No. That's okay between ourselves when we say God is love. I think we've been together long enough to be able to say that. But what is that love? It's not just niceness. It's not just a sort of force out there. It says, For God so loved the world that... Okay. So it tells us He so loved the world now he's going to say how that love is defined. What's that love look like? Niceness, gentleness, goodness, lovey, lovey, lovey. No, for God so loved the world that, and now comes the definition of that love, that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus is love in human flesh. Jesus in his death, bloodshedding, and resurrection and ascension is that love acting on our behalf and bringing to us its infinity of blessing. No, you see, you just don't talk about love and the universe and everything's okay. Love has a face. Love has a name. Love has a work accomplished. Jesus. So prayer is talking to the real God, the Father that Jesus revealed. And it's doing so in union with that love, Jesus not just being part of the currents of force in the universe, but union with Jesus. And if they don't mention Jesus, you know they're off track. Prayer isn't talking to my higher self 
a sort of a psychic, subjective way of calming myself. No, no, no. Certainly it's not that stinking stuff you'll hear in religion where people pray prayers. The very language is for make sure everybody hears what I'm saying. It, it, it's not trying to say words in prayer that are so beautiful and so poetic and everybody thinks I'm so spiritual. Prayer is not talking to me, assuring myself I'm a jolly good chap. Nor is it talking to a God I don't know, trying to get his attention by telling him what a jolly good chap I am. Or as the Pharisee, Jesus said he prayed with himself. Or again, that he says they're hypocrites, they stop in the pavement and they pray out loud so that everybody can hear them. No. Prayer is this real me that I've discovered in this covenant union with the Father in the face of Jesus Christ. The real me talking to the real God who came to me in Jesus. This is it. This is it. Um, it's, it's this, what can I say? <laughs> it's, it's reliability all around. It's, it's truth all around. It's the truth that I've discovered concerning the Father in Jesus. And it's the truth I've discovered about me in Jesus. And we're bound together, all together in the Holy Spirit. And we're sitting down and we're talking to each other. So, that's hard in this world. I know it is. Because on the one hand, you have religion who has no real concept of that real objective person who is love. They just have the shell of religious words that are repeated and there's no life inside of them. There's no faith in a now living, loving God. He's buried in the past and anything they say is about a concept, an idea. And if I turn to the world, it's a world of lies, maybe more than it's ever been in recent history. Lies to the point where when our government leaders lie to us blatantly, nobody flips an, uh, an eyelid. It's, it's accepted. We believe that our elected officials are blatant liars. We believe that. So lying becomes the way things are. Good grief, did I say that? The way things are, that's, that's the meaning of amen. We say amen to lies. Don't expect the truth. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, truth lies mugged in the street. And at best, our best people can say wonderful words, but they don't have the power to fulfill them. And so we live in a world where we don't really believe anybody or anything, not really. I mean, we listen to commercials 900 times a night, and we know they're not true, and we just, we don't do anything. We just sit there and accept that's the way it is. Lies, 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 lies. And now we come to the God who cannot lie, who swears by his own self, who himself is called the Amen. And when I've digested that, then I say Amen. And I've moved into the realm of truth, truth. You come away from prayer with this in mind, and your amen becomes your perfume. It becomes your aftershave. You leave a scent on the air. There's something about you in this world of lies and religious lies. You, you, you are walking with a confidence. You are walking with a divine peace. You are walking with joy. You are walking with a hope an expectancy, for you have learned to live in God's amen, and you yourself have become the amen in union with God's amen. Well, I hope these words 
um, the prayer that Jesus taught us has. I hope they've transformed your whole life. I really do. And I thank you for those of you that have written to say as much to me. Um, I do read everything that you send by email or in your uh, gifts that you send as partners. I, I do read them. I just don't have any time left to answer them all. But I trust for those that I haven't heard from that this has transformed your life of prayer and there's still time to go back to the beginning and listen to all of them. Anyway, this is it. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His blessing be in you his favor surround you as a shield. His grace be your enabling strength and ability. In all that you put your hand to, wherever that is, to that end I bless you and declare this day, Amen for that is the way it is.